This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, sitting here with EC, Echo Charles, sure. and me, Jocko Willink. The open mind, which is good, and self, self-doubt, self-doubt. So people freak out a little bit about self-doubt, and sometimes it consumes them, right? Uh, some people will try and discourage you from having any self-doubt. Like, you gotta believe in yourself, right? This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, sitting here with EC, Echo Charles. Sure. And me, Jocko Willink. The open mind, which is good, and self, self-doubt, self-doubt. So people freak out a little bit about self-doubt, and sometimes it consumes them, right? Uh, some people will try and discourage you from having any self-doubt. Like, you gotta believe in yourself, right? For me, self-doubt is not only not only okay, but kinda good, in a way. And, and I was listening to BJ Penn on Joe Rogan's podcast, and Ro- Rogan started talking about Mike Tyson, who was training with Customato, and Customato was Actually, that's a that that whole thing is crazy. You start that. I guess they're they're turning that into a movie right now. Mm. I don't know how they're going to pull it off, but Customato was he guided Mike Tyson so like perfectly to mm-hmm. become the champ by talking to him and by explaining things psychologically and kind of like hypnotizing him and it, just influencing him so so powerfully, you know, that Mike Tyson was a machine, right? He turned into a machine. <laughs> so one of the things he said was, was, and again, this is a quote from Rogan, which is a quote from Gus Customato, so who knows how uh, perfect I'm gonna get it, but the basic quote is, fear is like fire, it can warm, it can warm and cook your food, warm you and it can cook your food, or it can burn your house down, right? So this is also clearly a dichotomy, right? But I think it's the same with self self doubt, because if you're if you have some self doubt, it's going to be good because you're going to push, you're going to like train a little extra, you're going to prepare a little bit more. But it can also right. So if you if you're going in a jujitsu tournament and you have self doubt, you're going to like train extra hard and do some cardio, and you're going to lift weights, and you're going to work on your wrestling, you're doing work. If you think you're going to go in there and dominate, mm-hmm. you know you're backing off, and it's the same thing with anything in life. Mm-hmm. But also, you could not enter the tournament, right? You could be so freaked out that you're not gonna enter, or you're not gonna go for the job interview, or you're not gonna go talk to your boss about getting a raise. Like, none of that stuff's gonna happen because you're, you're doubting it. And so, you gotta find that balance. But, so, so now, to kinda go a little tangential, for me, I have a, another kind of self-doubt, which is also kind of positive, in my opinion which is when someone pushes back against me, when someone's got some other idea that I don't agree with, I think to myself, okay, what do I, what do I not understand? Mm. So if I say, hey, Echo, here's the plan for what we're gonna do tonight, tonight, and you say, I don't like that plan. I don't think you're bad. I don't think you're an idiot. I think, what is it that I don't see? Why, don't, why, why does Echo see something that I don't see and this actually opens my mind. So for me, self-doubt is a is a 
state of mind that actually opens up my mind and allows me to listen. Now, here's, here's, here's the thing about having the open mind. I've been talking to a lot of people, a lot of clients about this. Your mind is, the natural mode of operating for your mind is to close. That's the natural mode of operating. Why? Because it's safer. Because it's easier. Because it's more comfortable. So the minute you have to open your mind up to someone else's ideas, it gets going to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The minute you open up to your mind to someone else's ideas, things are going to get harder because you got to take in what they're saying. You got to do this calculus, just like uh, bacteria. Right? We have we have a we're afraid of bacteria. We're afraid of snakes. We stay away from them. That's what a new idea is. It's a snake that's going to get in your head. So the natural thing to do is to close our minds. And so it's difficult to go through life because if you don't pay attention, your mind's your mind is constantly just trying to get closed back up and trying not to let any other ideas in. And clearly this is a pandemic right now out in the world because people's minds are just boom boom, closing, closing, closing. And it's, it's, you have to pay attention to it. So you actually have to detach to see that your mind is closed, right? You won't see it on your own. You won't see it if you're not thinking about it, if you're not consciously trying to pull back and check where your brain is at, where your mind is at, it's gonna be closed. And you can just be running around just not knowing that your mind is closed. You're just, how will you know it? You won't know it. You won't know it. It's like there's no interference coming in to let you know, hey, your mind is closed. Uh, and occasionally you get rocked with some radical idea. I mean, can you imagine the guys that were doing like whatever traditional martial art in 1989 mm-hmm. and how crazy it was for someone to come in and take them down and choke them with a jiu-jitsu? <laughs> you know, like how crazy was it when they threw their magic strike and they it didn't work at all and then this guy just grabbed him and hip tossed him or double legged him and then all of a sudden they're getting choked and and they their their mind is so closed you know what they say immediately let's try that again you know how many people i've had say that to me especially in the early days of jujitsu like i would roll with somebody Mm -hmm. and they let's try that again their mind couldn't couldn't even accept what was happening normally i don't know what you found it would be like three to five submissions before someone actually understands that there's something going on here that they don't get. Before their mind even cracks barely open, Mm -hmm. it takes them getting submitted three to five times before they even recognize this. Yes? Uh, Makes sense. Um, But yeah, I don't have a concrete number there. You've never, I mean, how many times do you have somebody look, oh, let's see. Yeah, the only, to be honest, the only time that's ever happened where someone would be like, oh, let's go again, like they didn't like believe it or they mm-hmm. thought, oh, I just fell down in a bad spot yeah. or something like that is like at, at like a party or something, at a barbecue, that kind of hey, stuff. This counts, man. Yeah, yeah. This well, I would definitely end up in more, uh, let's say, direct. Because <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. you know, I'm in the, I'm in the dirt. Yeah, so, so we got everyone are. that's thinking that they know yeah. some stuff. Same and thing. Yeah, Especially because, exactly. dude, I mean, I'm, I'm in the teams with guys that were, you know, 80s guys. Yeah. And 90s guys mm-hmm. that are like, hey, we learned that if you do this, yeah. you're 100% going to go down. It's like, yeah. okay, do it to me. Yeah. Double leg, rear naked choke. <laughs> yeah. But it takes, yeah. so, so you, you, you choke someone once, 
twice, three times, their mind's not even open yet. They're still like, that was, like you said, uh, you just fell down, you got lucky. Yeah. And it would take that multiple attacks and submissions before their mind even gets a little bit open. And then normally like a half an hour, like, oh, let's, let's go one more time. They, they like, it closes back up again. Right. So that happens to all of us and it's, it's unnatural to keep your mind open. It's unnatural. It's not, it's not the human mode of operating to open up, to listen to what other people have to say. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you can do it, if you can go through life keeping that thing, like taking a stick and putting it in your mind so that the, the little hatch is pried open and it's stuck open, you're gonna, you're gonna have such a easier time understanding other people, understanding other ideas, and coming to a better conclusion. Yeah. That's that's going to be, that's gonna make everything in your life better. Yeah, yeah. just knowing that I think is the, because you forget, just like how you said, like your mind, even if, because even if you do open your mind for a second, be like, okay, I'll, I'll have an open mind on this one, and then you accept the idea, then it closes right back up. Mm-hmm. Even if you accept the idea, as like, oh yeah, I had an open mind, I accepted oh, the idea, yeah. oh, I even changed my mind, look how mature, look at my growth, and then yeah. you just close your mind again. It's like a, it's an ongoing campaign. You got to kind of keep your mind open or be, get in the habit of keeping it open. Well, what's crazy now is, you, you know, when you watch the divisiveness in the country, people are, you, people will get presented with quote facts. And here's the thing. They're like, those facts are just wrong. Yeah. And they'll present their other quote facts. Mm. And so you have people debating with facts, but I just don't even believe your facts at all. So I'm just not listening to anything that you say. Yeah. And, it, and it's wildness. Yeah. But you're right, though. If you're in it or whatever, that's like that's like a natural thing. I mean, the, the stuff that's coming out of Ukraine right now, it's it's the, the, the Russians and the Ukrainians, everyone's doing this massive sort of information operations push to mm. get out their stories. Mm. And. I mean, the, the the one example that came out of the gate was the ghost of Kiev. Were you tracking that? Yeah, the ghost of Kiev. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this great Ukrainian pilot shot down X number of Russian aircraft, and everyone's all hyped on it. And yeah, it's just it just wasn't true. Straight up. And true. yeah, so it's it's been interesting to see how that is, but it's also that's going into another topic of like, hey, you better. Well, I've talked about this before. You know, it's the first report. You better right. take it with a little grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, but that open mind thing is kind of, and you say it's like natural, and it is just like, but it's essentially kind of like exercise. We'll say lifting weights. Rob Jones actually talks mm-hmm. about this, where it's like you can look at weights or new ideas or whatever, however, kind of in two ways. Where and it's up to you, where you can be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be resistant to it. Like I don't want to go. Bro, lifting weights is hard. I'm not gonna do that. My body doesn't. I'm not in the mood to do all that. Mm-hmm. But if you do it. Don't look at it as like some imposition onto you. Look at it as something that you can use to adapt to and then become stronger. So mm-hmm. same thing with the ideas. If you're a closed mind, that's like you just not wanting to lift weights or whatever because it's too hard, it's too heavy, you're tired, whatever. And that's essentially your body trying to be efficient. I think yeah. that's like really what it is. Yeah, and I think, as you said, I think the worst case of this is just that you don't even, you don't even, you don't even recognize Right, you know, just your mind is just shut, and yeah. in your wor- in your mind, everything's good to go. Right, there's there are no new ideas. Not that you disagree with all other ideas; they don't even they're not even there. Yeah, just shut out. Yeah, free your mind, people. Yeah, free your mind. Yeah, it's weird how that's uncomfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. like how you're, it, man. It's like it's almost like, 
And I think this is the case where you have an idea and then you equate those ideas with your identity, like who you are. And then when they, when they get challenged, it's almost like you're getting challenged yeah. as a human being, you know? Yeah. And that's a scary thing. That's part of brainwashing. Yeah. Part of brainwashing is to attack their identity and remove yeah. their identity. So if you've got all your identity wrapped up in whatever, yeah. you can have some strong feelings about it. So close that thing up. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Keep an open mind, everybody. Please, it's going to make your life better. Q&A, what do we got? First question. Good evening. <clears throat> I've been turning my life around recently through exercise and much healthier diet. I felt refreshed and energetic every day due to continuously sticking to the plan. Staying on the path Check. of eating right, working out, and getting enough rest. Check. I've eliminated alcohol from my life for four weeks now, and I focus okay. more clearly on my goals. My question for you is about my work life. This is almost like a sermon. I'm over here, like, kicking it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yep. You know? Amen. Good on him. Well, it sounds good. It sounds yeah. perfect so far. Currently, I work in rotating shifts. One week, I work seven to 1,500. 700 to 1,500. What is that in regular terms? <laughs> it's seven to three. <laughs> the, the next week I work 2,300 to seven, oh, 0,700. Mm -hmm. the, the week after that I work from 15, work 1,500 to 2,300. Then the rotation resets. Do you have any advice on the healthiest way to adapt to a new work schedule, sleep cycle, and overall the everyday routine, workouts, yeah. grocery shopping, etc.? So wait, go. do you ever go grocery shopping? No, I'm not saying go not. to the store for peanuts. I'm saying uh, like straight like, up. Yeah, yeah old I got my list. Cart? No, <laughs> no, no. I haven't done that in a long time. I went to, I went grocery shopping and I was like, I can't, cannot imagine running into Jocko grocery shopping <laughs> right now. <laughs> we do got like a little grocery store up the street where, mm -hmm. but here's the deal, man. You know, how, you know how I like food, right? You know, I like steaks, right? Yes, I, I like know drinking. That. I like drinking milk, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. but if there's any inconvenience in the scenario, mm -hmm. I just won't. Don't care. <laughs> if it, if I was doing all the food preparation for myself, I mm -hmm. would eat. You know, tin chicken out of the can, out okay. of the can scenario. Yeah. Uh, well, a sandwich, maybe that's like a stretch because I'd rather just eat the freaking ham. <laughs> Just by itself, because I don't feel like getting out the bread and you get crumbs. Like it's brutal. And even brutal. you know, like Leif super hype in the free in the freaking uh, like barbecue. Hey, yeah. we'll yeah. get out. Hey, let's fire up the grill around two o'clock. Yeah, in the process. afternoon for dinner. Right, I've got no, there's a, oh, and by the way, hey, we'll get it marinating. Hey, we'll get uh, the yeah. stuff marinating. You know, the night before what? <laughs> what? I'm not so I'm not doing any of that. So grocery store runs, real probably not happening a lot. Yeah, probably that, not a lot of grocery store runs going sense. on. That's not really sort of roles and responsibilities. It's not. I would. It's not even roles and responsibilities. I just as much as I enjoy going to a restaurant, getting a nice steak. As much as I enjoy that. I'm really not willing to work for it. It doesn't, I'm not the the person that loves food so much that I'm gonna make kind of time sacrifices for it. I so does that answer the question? Okay. Uh, I mean, it seems like you knew the answer already. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was based on like an assumption kind of a thing. Cause you yeah, know when you're grocery shopping, you just you want like, a confirmation. You got your little cart and like, you're like looking at stuff and I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't seem like something you'd be doing no, ever. No, I'm not gonna be doing that. 
In fact, what sucks is my wife will say, hey, you know, do you need anything from the groceries? Not. I can only name like two items that I can even think of. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm bad mm. when it comes to that. So, I understand. back to the quest. This is a good question, but also harsh because that's awesome. This guy sounds like he's getting after it and he's squaring his life away, not drinking, you know, working out, just on the path. Very cool to see. And then he's getting jacked by this crazy rotating work schedule, rotating on a weekly basis, okay? And not just rotating between two alternate schedules, but three alternate schedules. Mm -hmm. Number one, if there's any way that you can swap, change, trade shifts so that you can get, get, eliminate one of them, Mm -hmm. it would be a lot better off. So if you just took the night shift and the morning shift and you were always gonna have the day off, you could work with that a lot easier. If you only had the day shift and the night shift, okay, and you were always had the morning off, if you could make that happen, it would be hugely beneficial because this is not healthy. This type of random sleep pattern is not good for you. So again, you might be thinking, hey, well, but I, oh, you know, at least I wanna have it once a week, I wanna have the day off or the daytime off or, or something like that, that's what might make it easier to trade because normal people will be like, hey, dude, I'll, I just want to have not have the day shift because I want to see my kids or whatever when I get home from school, whatever the case may be. So if you can, if you can swap, trade, change shifts to get this more consistent, that would be good. That being said, sometimes these things aren't possible. If I had to do this, let me try and explain this. I would try and make the sleep pattern adjust incrementally over the days as the days go by. So, you know, I would start going to bed a little bit, I start waking up a little bit earlier so that I'm aiming towards the next sleep, the next active shift that I'm gonna have to do. Hmm. So, if I'm working this week from from seven o'clock in the morning till 1500, but next week I gotta work at 2300, then tonight I'd go to bed, you know, I'd go to bed at 1900. And then I'd wake up at 0300. And then the next night I'd go to bed at eight o'clock and wake up at four o'clock. The next bed I'd go to bed at nine o'clock and wake up at five o'clock. And then the next I'd go to bed at 10 o'clock and wake up at six o'clock. And the next day I'd go to sleep at 11 o'clock and I'd wake up at seven o'clock. And then I'm kind of ready for that that next shift that I'm gonna be on. Cause I got, I'm assuming you get a couple days off, so then you go to sleep at two o'clock in the morning and you wake up at nine, then you go to bed at five o'clock in the morning and you wake up at one, and then you're kinda ready for that, for that shift. So try and make it more incremental. And that what that means is, unfortunately, some days you're gonna, like early in the week, maybe you're working out after work, and then, Three days into it, you're working out, you're waking up a little bit earlier, and now you're working out in the morning, Mm. and you're doing some grocery shopping in the afternoon. So I would just try and incrementally set myself up for the week, because what I don't want to do is sleep, you know, whatever, uh, uh, seven to three in the morning. Mm -hmm. Seven to three, seven to three, seven to three, seven, and then all of a sudden I gotta wait, do, do something radically different. So I would make an, an incremental change in this situation um, to try and ease the sleep schedule aiming towards my next work cycle. 
So, and, and look, I had to do that in the military throughout the years. You know, you have some kind of an operation that was coming up and you'd, you don't want to just radically change it, but you go, oh, I'm going to be doing a bunch of night operations. Cool. I'm going to start waking up a little bit later. So I'm sleeping more in the day. So I'm ready to stay up at night. That's kind of where I got this idea from. Mm. Uh, but going back to the original, this is not a good long-term schedule for you. So do what you got to do right now. Of course, we all do that. But if you can, start looking for uh, an opportunity to get this thing changed. Mm. Also, too, with the workouts, I know, and he didn't indicate this, <clears throat> but the sometimes workouts, this is how it would be for me anyway, where I work, let's say I work out five days a week. Mm-hmm. To me, for some reason, it just is automatic that it's Monday through Friday for some reason. Weekends just have that feeling of, oh, yeah, I'm off from X, Y, Z, usually because of work. <laughs> That's the feeling. But then I realized when I started having kids and, like, all this stuff, yeah. all, this, all this other stuff, yeah. that's like a 24-7, 365 situation. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, those weekends, that's a big opportunity to, you know, yep. maybe free up some time here and there. So maybe do the work. Or like, if you have rest days for a workout. Make a Monday or whatever. Yeah, make a Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Actually, or anytime where the schedule is going to change and it might jam up your workout a little mm-hmm. bit or whatever. Be like, oh, those are my rest days, kind of adjustment days or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then use kind of the weekend to, because they're more flexible, you know, yep. potentially. Kind of use that. Totally. I use that too. But yeah. Yeah, the sleep thing, that's weird because sometimes, man, it's like. Dude, this guy's, they need to think about this from well, that company should look at the numbers a little bit and look at the safety protocols and look at the pr- uh, productivity of the workers. Because yeah. you can't jack someone's sleep that bad and have them be good to go week after week after week after yeah. week. Yeah. That's just not good. It seems weird for sure. All right, next question. Next question. <clears throat> I'm currently on episode 245 from episode one of your podcast. I have a nine-year-old son and USAC quarter midget racing. What is that? This is like um, kind of go-kart type little cars oh, yeah, with yeah. a with a roll cage on them. Oh, damn. And so he's, a, you know, racing those cars. Pretty cool. Dang. Uh, he has a great deal of talent, and we've won some races. We have run some races. You yeah. like that? We've won Just some races. Pay attention. Yeah, you got a we in it's, there. It's a team you effort. Know, for a team sure. effort. Where he struggles is the emotional strength department. Look, at nine years old, if you're not emotionally strong, you need to get a grip. Okay. Sorry. I'm going hot. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, I had too much good. discipline go at this point. No, you, you did the right thing. <clears throat> I constantly have to try to try and light a fire under his ass to get him focused on the upcoming race. These races are over quick, and you must be ready to go as soon as they start. He runs a mile a day. He runs a mile daily, and now I have to have him doing push-ups, sit-ups, and lunges. He's eating very clean and getting good rest. What else can I do to make him more of a predator rather than a prey? Rather than prey. All right. So, first of all, make sure that he wants to do what, this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And make sure that he enjoys doing it and enjoys doing it a lot uh speaking of bj penn and joe rogan listen to that podcast they asked they asked or joe rogan asked bj penn how he got his black belt in three years which is one third of the time 
it would take for a normal person that was really getting after it. it takes 10 years to get your black belt, man. That's just kind of a, everyone will say that. You ask anybody how long it takes to get your black belt in jiu-jitsu, they're gonna say 10 years. BJ Penn got it in three years, but he didn't just get it, he was the world champion. He won the world championships in Brazil. First American, by the way. So, and, and, and Joe Rogan says, oh, you know, was it disciplined? Were you, your level of commitment was your athleticism? And BJ Penn gave a brilliant answer. He said, because it was fun, because he loved doing it. And so if you're committed to this kind of thing, well, it's because you enjoy doing it. So what does your son get from winning? Why is it important to win? And I kind of jokingly said, we, because let's just make sure this isn't, you're not living out your fantasies Mm -hmm. through your son. Let's make sure of that. And I know you probably don't want to hear that but I have to say it anyways, why is it important for him to win? How are these skills gonna help him in his life? What are they gonna do for his future? And you should be explaining those things to him. You know who pushed Tony Hawk to be a great skateboarder? Tony Hawk. Mm-hmm. His dad would say, hey, his dad would say, hey, we gotta get out of here. He'd be like, let me just do this trick a couple more times. Yeah. Uh, you know who pushed Michael Jordan to be Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have some intrinsic motivation that champions are gonna have. Mm-hmm. That you as a parent, if you think you can get them to that level of intrinsic motivation, it's gonna be difficult. Mm-hmm. Because if well, the best thing to do, and you've heard me say this about jiu-jitsu before, is make it fun. If you don't make it fun, they're not gonna like it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, if they don't like it, then they're not going to do it. This is this is not just coming from me. This is, this is the book. Outliers, right? And Malcolm, what's his name? McDowell? No. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. His book, Outliers. They. The, what makes the kids good at hockey? What makes the kids good at soccer? What makes the kids good at computer programming? And he's talking about like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and stellar hockey players is that it was fun for them. Mm-hmm. Hockey players, why was it fun for them? Because they were a little bit older. The guys that were older that got put into the league, the guys that were born January 1st, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more mature, then when they played, they kind of dominated because they were a little bit bigger. So they had fun. So when they had fun, they practiced more. When they practiced more, they got even better. And it's a compounding effect. So make sure that you're putting, that your kid is having fun because the more fun he has, the more he's going to practice, the more he's going to be into it. If you're making him not like it because you're like, oh, you could have done better. Oh, all of a sudden he's not having fun. He's not practicing. He's not training. He's not thinking about it. So don't do that. Make it fun for him. Okay, so that's part one. Part two is if you want to get people to get stronger and tougher, put them in tough situations. Not overwhelming situations. Mm. Even in the SEAL teams, we couldn't take like a platoon and just crush them out of the gate. We had to we had to go, oh, they're, okay, run this type of training mission. Okay, you did good. Then we ramp up the pressure a little bit. Oh, oh, what do we do? Okay, we got it figured out. Okay, cool, confidence grows. They get a little bit better at it. Boom, do it again. Oh, no, okay, okay. okay. And so, and even uh, when we had Huberman on the podcast, which should be coming out this week. He gave us the number. The number is 80% of the time win, 20% of the time 
learn slash lose, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. the goal. So put this individual, put your son into pressure situations. Like, hey, this time you're gonna do this race, you know, or this time you're gonna do this this practice, I'm gonna, you know, you're gonna put a, a blindfold or a tape over one, one side of your goggles mm-hmm. so you can only see with one eye. Like that's gonna make it a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna learn a little. So, so oh, you know what can you do? What can you do pressure-wise to make him have to be in tough situations where he can learn how to handle it? So that's what we do with young seals. We put them in a pressure situation so they learn how to detach. They learn how to handle it. They learn how to what protocol to run in their own mind when things get bad. But more than anything else, man, make it fun for this kid. That's my recommendation. Jack. One thing I notice at being a dad and kind of observing or whatever, if like, you know, how, and we talk about this a lot too, where your kids are always watching you too. Mm-hmm. So if a lot of times if you're like, hey, you remember the old saying? I don't know if you ever said this. Like, uh, what it, do what I say, not what I do kind of a yep. thing as a parenting yep. tool. It's basically the opposite of that because the like you can tell your kids or whatever get good grades or clean your room all the time but meanwhile you have like a messy house on your it's not going to land as good you know so a lot of times if you you know you're telling you hey Gabe, you need to work hard at this and meanwhile you're like kind of not doing any of that you're just yelling to work hard i'm not saying this guy particularly i'm saying in general um that might not land as well so, yeah. and the only reason this reminds me of that when it's like i'm trying to light a fire under his ass kind of thing bro that guy's nine years old you know yeah. like i I don't know how big of a fire you're supposed to be trying to light right there. Yeah, a nine-year-old, yeah, that fire may be just enough to make him think, I don't like doing this because yeah. my dad's stressing me out. He's yeah. yelling at me. Yeah. I can't do good enough. Yeah. I feel like every time I let him down, like those, that's not going to work out well for you. Yeah, Make it fun. Yeah. That's the here, here's the thing. Look, what are the chances that you're going to be a champion in wrestling or, what, or golf or whatever, whatever thing? What are the chances that you're actually going to be a champion? The chances aren't great. Yeah. You got to have all kinds of genetic gifts. You got to have the right timing. There's all kinds of things. Gotta, so are you going to like add to that? And you think that this is going to be the thing that pushes this kid over the edge. Mm-hmm. Is if you can light a fire under his ass. Mm-hmm. Set a good example. Let him have fun with it. Yeah. That's what you kind of have to do. Don't. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've told the story a thousand times. I pressured my kids so much to do jujitsu. They, by the time they'd been doing it for, by the time, at a certain point, they were like, we don't want to do this anymore. We hate it. So don't do that. That's my recommendation. Mm -hmm. I took the most beautiful thing and turned it into something they don't like. They've come around, but like that was horrible. And I didn't even know. It's hard because even like this dad, this dad in this situation, to him, it's like, hey, I know what. This is going to be so great for you. You can be, you can grow up. You can be a sponsored car driver. You're going to make all this money. You're going to have fame and fortune and do something really cool, which is car race. Like that's all awesome, and you see it so clearly as the dad. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't, to use your term, that doesn't land the same with the kids. Mm-hmm. And so, in fact, you know what's interesting is sometimes, like with uh, jujitsu, I've seen people that maybe their dad or their moms were sort of late comers to jujitsu mm. and their the kids saw that the parents were like into jujitsu 
and they kind of got into it, yeah. and it, it almost works out better than the than the dad that like me is like a black belt, right? Mm-hmm. So like this is what you're gonna do, because for me this is just you you got to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that who I think might have been you, might have been someone else who said, "How do I get my kid like more into jujitsu? Like they go sometimes, but they're not that into it, yeah. and it's like do it with them. Like yeah. you go to the class too, and the kid." Again, the kid's always watching. Yeah, The kids are kind of like, they're, and they're really waiting for your lead, too, in a certain way, or yeah. in a lot of ways, I think. So if they're like, hey, this is kind of just what we're doing, it's less about being so into it or not into it at all. It's just, hey, this is just what we're doing, and they can naturally find yeah. out the, the benefits and the pleasures. And listen, I know this dad is listening to this right now, and he's pissed. He's like, this isn't what I expected from Jocko. I expect him to be, here's how you impose your will on your kids. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, from experience, that's not the move. Yeah. That is not the move, and I know it feels like it is, and I know you care about your son, and you want him to do well. I, I, I love that. I appreciate it. You're investing. I mean, I don't know what one of those cars costs, but you're investing a lot of money and time and effort to give this kid this thing. But if you if you force it down his throat, no one likes any food when it's forced down their throat. Yes, and if you force it down his throat, he's eventually going to throw it back up, and that sucks. And so just be careful, man. Make it fun. I can't stress that anymore. Make it fun. Make working out fun. If you're like, hey, you got to do your lunges this morning. That's not fun. Go do lunges with him. You know, figure out a way. Maybe you could go uh, run up a hill where you have some prize at the top of the hill where it's fun to do that. Don't just give him a kettlebell and be like, here you go. You need to do this many reps because then they get pissed at you. And it's not fun because you don't explain the why. You got to explain the why too. I already said that, but you got to explain like why this is going to be beneficial. Why this is hey this hey here's exactly how this will help you, Jack. All right. Next question. Hello to the Jocko Podcast team, <laughs> which is you and me, Jack. <laughs> okay. Hello back. Though this question is somewhat a joke, it seems to be coming true. The question is. What is it like being the 21st century's Chuck Norris? <laughs> read read the YouTube comment or read the YouTube comments comments below. And this guy's right, by the way, because mm-hmm. it's yeah, really fun to read these. Problems. Okay, here's some of them. When Jocko was born, the doctor turned to his mother and said, "Congratulations, it's a man." <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's another. Jocko wakes his alarm up every morning. Rather than the alarm wakes him yeah, up, yeah. but uh, Brad, there's some good ones. Yeah, there's some funny ones, and and I think my answer to this question is, it's funny, right? Mm-hmm. So I find them funny. Mm-hmm. I don't find them like <laughs> reinforcing my yeah, own yeah, beliefs, yeah, oh, yeah. and that's the thing. Uh, I I'm not as strong. I'm not as tough. I'm not as fast. I'm not as good at jujitsu. I'm not as smart as any of these jokes made me out to be, and that's what makes them funny. Mm-hmm. You know. I meet people and occasionally be like, oh, you're you're shorter than I thought. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. You know, like cool. they think I'm some freaking six foot five human and I'm not, I'm 5'11", like that's that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think sometimes people get a little crazy with their uh, ideas. But what I think is funny about this is that these are jokes and they're funny and I think they're funny and that's that. Yeah. There's, and they are funny, man. There's some good ones. Oh yeah, and there, there's one. Um, there's a bunch, obviously, but one said, uh, "Let me get it right." Oh, when when Jock was 18 and he left the house, he turned to his to his dad and said, "You're the man of the house now." <laughs> <laughs> See, there's funny ones. Oh yeah. You know where it started? I think. Mm. 
the the GQ video yeah. of uh, yeah the you. E- e- Evaluation, evaluation or whatever, whatever. Jocko reacts or whatever. Yeah. Those that was kind of the first just crazy. Yeah. And I think that was because people that didn't really know me just saw like that video yeah, and they yeah. just were like, oh, this dude's, yeah. you know, <laughs> freaking uh crazy man. There so. was there was another joke that kind of took hold as well when you said that's unrealistic. Uh, did you say it more than once or something? Yeah, I said it I said it and that was a weird look. I agreed to do this thing with GQ, which is like a magazine about fashion for men, which is a thing that just obviously <laughs> just doesn't land at all with me. <laughs> like, I don't understand what that means. Like, yeah. jeans, Hell t-shirt, yeah. surf shorts, like, that's what we're doing. It's part of it. So, and then, you know, there's a weird, like, slant, like, who, you know, GQ, who's this magazine? This, you know, I, I didn't really understand it. So I kind of went in with a little bit of the, let's just say guarded, and I'm not, right. I'm not trusting. No offense to them, man. This is me, not them. This is me. They mm-hmm. seemed they were nice to me. They were cool to me. But I don't know what they're gonna do with this video. Edit it up, make right. you know whatever. I just don't. Never seen any one of these things before. So I kind of went in guarded, just like okay, I'm just gonna play this thing. Matter of fact, hey. So some of the things when they were really stupid, or you know, I could have given some more sort of flamboyant reaction. Yeah. I just said, well, that's not realistic. Yeah, and you know, yeah. instead of being like, oh my gosh, that would never happen yeah. in real life. You know, instead mm-hmm. of giving that whole thing, yeah. I just said, that's unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, there was a, a definite vibe on that that probably provoked some of the uh, some of the comment in the comment sections. Yeah, the unrealistic one. They said they're like they'd say stuff right where it's like, oh yeah, I can't think of one now, but that would be the punchline to the joke. Oh, that's unrealistic. <laughs> and they come out really good. Remember when uh, GSP said, I'm not impressed with your performance yeah, yeah. and they made a song out of it and stuff. <laughs> that was kind of awesome. That was an early kind of uh, viral memes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Is it a gif or a gif, by the way? Gif, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I've, I've been heard corrected, both. right? That's interesting. Gif, uh, yeah, I heard both. Gif? Yeah, I don't, I don't even like know. that at all. My brother told me what that stands for. Animated GIF, yeah. right? G-I-F. Yeah. Okay. We're going it with GIF. Around GIF. Like this GIF. office, we'll say GIF. Yes, sir. Understood. Right. Next question. Next question. Mr. Willink. I'm a teenager from a small town in C-E-N-L-A. Central Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Central. Uh, or Central Louisiana. Yeah. Well, I guess if I guess there's no small towns in central Los Angeles, so I guess we're talking about <laughs> central LA is Louisiana. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Right, we'll go Louisiana, with it. cool. Uh and where I you was, at, Theo Vaughn? I was wondering if you had any podcasts or anything geared more towards teens opposed to younger kids or adults. So this is something that I've been considering and actually like my publisher has talked about this because mm-hmm. that is a is a hole in my you know uh, uh, content let's say because mm-hmm. you know we got the warrior kid books we even got Mikey and the dragon that's a little bit younger right. and then we got the, the warrior kid books a little bit older and then we jump straight up to adult scenarios mm-hmm. and, and quite frankly part of the reason for that is like it's such a the windows small oh, yeah. right that window yeah, is yeah. real and it's really small and it seems like you gotta kinda get a sniper shot to nail that window, right? Yeah. Well look, Warrior Kid gets read by kids from like five to 
13, sometimes even 14. They're mm-hmm. still kind of in it. Mm-hmm. And then Discipline Goes Freedom Field Manual, that's, you know, like 15, 16, 17. Kids are in that. And kids are, of course, I mean, 15, 16, 17 can also be reading Extreme Ownership. They can be reading Dichotomy, Leadership. So there's really like essentially a two or three year window that it takes a sniper shot to get into. So that's probably why, you know, that that I I haven't gone to put much resources against this very small window uh, yet. And it's the same thing with the podcast. You know, you got the Warrior Kid podcast, which is probably, you know, 10, 11, 12, maybe. It's not not for 14-year-olds. It's too young for that. And then you have Jocko podcast, which is the same thing. Like, you're 15 years old. You can be listening to Jocko podcast Mm. in most cases. Sometimes, I guess, it's a little bit much. You have nightmares and, and, (laughs) like, it's horrible. Uh, But most of them are 15 years old. You know, you can listen to Jocko podcast. So what I would say in this case is, Look, you're 14. You're 14 years old, let's say. Because as soon as you're 15, I'm saying you jump in. You jump in with Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. You jump in with Leadership Strategy and Tactics. You get in the game with those books when you're 15, for sure. Probably Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual 14. So this is like you have like a year, right? And then what I would say is for look at the way of the Warrior Kid books and say, okay, how does this apply to me now that I'm 14, now that I'm 15? I will still want to stay on the path, but I'm not a little kid. So how do I make this work? How do I adjust this? And same thing with the with the podcast. Like, okay, you're you're 12, you turn 13. Those podcasts are a little bit too young for you. All right, let's start checking out Jocko podcast. You know, maybe check and check with your parents and say, hey, does this one look like it's going to be appropriate? Because there's some of them, you know, that are not. Mm. Right, you, I think the 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 Milai massacre is probably not appropriate. The Rwanda genocide is probably not appropriate, but a lot of them are very appropriate. Yeah. So maybe just a little parental check for a little guidance on which ones are appropriate would be would be would be pretty helpful, and that can get you through the next year before you're just in the game full on, hundred mm. percent. In the meantime, I do know, I recognize it, I appreciate the feedback. Because the, the the thing that's the thing that's not good about this is those are tough years, right? Yeah. Those are tough years. There's a lot of pressure, a lot oh, yeah. of peer pressure. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going through a psychological changes. Your physic, your physicality is changing. How do you deal with that? It's a good time to take advantage of it, right? You're, you're if you're a young boy, you're just pumping with growth hormone and testosterone. It's a time to take advantage of that and get jacked for one thing, <laughs> right? You, yes, it's a good time to grow and get strong. So it's it's a really critical time that this individual is correct. I haven't really addressed it. I need to address it. In the meantime, try and see what you can get out of the way of the Warrior Kids series and then jump into Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual, kind of ASAP. Yeah, the Discipline even at 15, I'd say the normal person, like you have certain 15 year old people who are more mature mm. than, you know, and then some that are less mature. You got um, some 50 people, 50 year old people that aren't very mature. <laughs> yes, sir. So I feel like leadership strategy and tactics, discipline equals freedom field manual mm. are like good, solid ones for like a 15, a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Um, extreme ownership. Is less, I yep. think. Yeah, you're you want to be 17, 18, probably by your if you're diving. Look, you can, Even then, yeah. 
I'm actually thinking more of 25. You were ready to embrace extreme ownership by the ripe age of 37. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the concept. I'm talking about the book. Yeah. So, um, but even then, right, even let's say I'm 15. And I'm thinking back from when I was 15. So, okay, mm-hmm. you know, sample size, one could be <laughs> inaccurate. I understand. But... Uh, that's all you need for bro science. That's all here. you need. That's all I need right now. Yes. Uh, it feels like I would have understood it and got a lot of value to it. But then if I, let's say, reread it at like mm-hmm. 25, 30 or something like that, it would reinforce. And then you would, I would probably yeah. end up learning more that I could, didn't have the capability to understand. Yeah. When yeah. I was young. So there's a whole, this is a category. The category is YA, young adult. That's a category of books. books. Yep. And I just, and my publisher has actually asked me, hey, like, hey, can you get in the YA category? Can you do something? What's a Y, like, what's an example? Do you know of any books that are in YA? uh, I actually don't know any. I wish I did. But but it's, again, it's a weird pocket of time because it's a very short period of time. Like, listen, you can read Way of the Warrior Kid from 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Eight years you can be into that book. Then, obviously, 15 and up, 16 and up, you can be in the adult books. There's a little period of time that it's YA. Yeah. It's YA. It's very transient. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the pregnancy uh, products and services market. Oh, because it's a short period of time? Yeah, it's like no one's permanently. Yeah. What they do do on that is they get you on the first one. Because when when you're having your first kid, your wife is like, dude, I need everything. For this baby is, we, we you know, like yep. you got to get a brand new this, brand new that. You got to get a water filter. <laughs> you got to get like a refrigerator disinfectant thing. You got, yep. there's all kinds of stuff you're getting. Oh, yeah. By the time you got your four kid, you're like, let it eat dirt because <laughs> it don't matter. <laughs> and that's how. <laughs> so that, that market, they market hardcore. Oh, to yeah. those moms, they're, they're, my mom, my wife would have bought damn anything. Oh, yeah. If it, she thought it was going to help our first kid in any way whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, this is when you're literally playing freaking, what was it, like classical music specially selected yeah, yeah. for children's brain development? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. that's what well, my wife bought all kinds of those CDs. Like, we're going to have Same. the next freaking chess prodigy <laughs> or whatever. So. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, they, yes. they attack that. Yeah. And plus the hormones are weird, you know? Yeah, like true. my wife was, I, one, one time I was sitting there or I came home or something and my wife's crying, like openly crying, weeping. Yeah. And, and I said, is everything okay? She saw a freaking AT&T commercial yeah. on TV and she was openly <laughs> weeping on the couch about it. You it's, know, like, it's real. bye dad. You know, yeah. and okay, I gotta go on a trip for work. Okay, yeah. bye, Dad. And then you know, he arrives, <laughs> and there's like a message: "Love you, Dad." And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Bro, that's real." Just breaking down, bro. That's real. I'm telling you. Yeah, and then it makes sense too. Yeah, you go to a new mother's, new parents' like house, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna see a lot oh, more baby they're stuff, cribs and, and toys, and like this. Is just my my house. I, if you would have saw the amount of toys my kids had, yeah, same. You would have thought I was Rich uh, Richie Rich or Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know where we were getting this stuff. I don't know. We'd refinancing houses to, <laughs> to, to to buy freaking Lego blocks and yeah, stuff. It real. was wild. It's real. Toys R Us. You remember that place? I don't even still still open. Yeah. Going huh. in that place, you better have 
like access to your mortgage yeah. to remortgage your house because your wife's in there just she's filling that cart. She's like, this is a help that brain brain development. <laughs> And you're done. What are you going to do? Say no? I don't care about my kids. I don't no. want them to be smart. No, you can't say no. no. Instead, it's you're, very hard. you're getting out your credit card, going yep. into debt yep. for freaking jumpy chairs. Remember those freaking things? Yes, sir. Bro, yeah. And you, those are the ones that like you, you'll find yourself with about four of those for one kid. Oh, 100%. They, they, both, they all do subtly different things. You see what I'm saying? But you got to be careful with that. But the, well, the weird thing is when you're a baby, like you think that everything in the world that you touch lights up and rattles and makes noises <laughs> because everything that you get them is like, all right, the lights are coming on. Give that kid a stick, they'll throw it away. This is junk. Yeah, that's weird. You know what my theory is though on that? I think it's the opposite. I think that like the novelty is a thing that like is more like isn't all bright and whatever. Yeah, well, that's what happens eventually. That's what happened to both my kids, especially oh, really? the boy, yeah, where, yeah, you get them, you know, toys that they're supposed to play mm. with. They'll be like, cool. And then they have this big, like, bin or whatever with all the toys. And he, bro, he'll have a stick with a string on it oh, that yeah. he tied, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he'll be, he'll literally play with it for like hours oh, doing different stuff with it. Sure. And then the, okay, the, the goo, there's these little uh, figures. They're made out of this weird, almost like rubber. Oh, they're like stretchy, like plastic man or whatever. Kind of. They're called goo jitsu guys. Oh, so they're, huh? Okay. That's no, so it has nothing to do with this, by the way. Oh, okay, bummer. Um, maybe they can get into position. But anyway, they're pretty cool. When I, when you play with them, they're like, oh, this is cool. This will keep him occupied, his little brain. He'll play with it for mm. like, you know, a minute yeah. and then go play with a stick. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. But nonetheless, yes, yeah, very transient period. Yeah. Uh, the market, right? Where, you know, it's appealing to a certain person right. for a very limited amount of time, then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, so I need to get some sniper shots into the yeah. YA market. But still important, man. Yeah, for like, that's what I just said. It's like so important because there's so much development happening at that age. And it's so easy to get pulled off. That's what, let's face it. That's Let's face it. That's where kids get pulled off the path, right? Yeah. This is when they start, you know, maybe they start drinking. Maybe they start, you know, playing crazy amounts of video games. Like there's all kinds of things that are not good for them. This is and, why that is. And this is when it happens and in this, this age group. This is the reason for that, by the way, from what I understand. So when you, you because when you hit puberty and whatever, mm-hmm. uh, especially males, uh, yeah, especially the boys, um, they depend less on the parents, right? So mm-hmm. that sense of independence is, is like real, it impacts them. So they're more influenced, they're way less influenced by the parents and they're more influenced by the people that they hang around with. Mm-hmm. Now they start bonding like with the, with the, the tribe outside mm-hmm. of the family now yep. so that becomes the influence so yeah especially if you don't have like a really really strong like what a traditional family like foundation bro that it, it can surprise you what direction they go gotta be careful in that yeah. time period so Keep if you got the jocko influence yeah that's gotta be uh, beneficial you ever watch terminator one you watch terminator one yeah yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. you ever seen the movie called uh flight of the navigator no Okay, but it's an interesting premise, but it's it's a kid's movie for maybe mm. like a 10-year-old kid. Terminator 1 is an adult movie. I watched Terminator 1 when I was, I don't know, 10 years old, however old I was, but I was a kid, and I watched Flight of the Navigator about the same time. I took in 100% of the concepts in Flight of the Navigator. And it's a kid's movie? It's for kids, yeah. Okay. And I took in about 70% of Terminator 1. Mostly work arms. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was part of it, yes, sir. And then later on, when you watch Terminator 1 as an adult, it's that reinforcing, like, oh, man, this is just as good of a movie as I thought it was when I was young, except it's even better now that I understand the, the remaining 30%. That's how, like, leadership strategy oh, and tactic okay. yeah, yeah. tactics would yeah. be, I think, for teenagers. They'd be like, oh, yeah, this is all good, all good. But they can't grasp the whole thing. So they need more of a Flight of the Navigator book. Mm-hmm. That's what you, you That's need. That's what I need to get them. Yep. Well, speaking of this, next question, similar scenario. Let's see what you got. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a longtime listener, roughly a Jocko podcast, Purple Belt. We should give out belts in this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or or does he mean, remember the Jocko podcast belt oh, system? yeah, yeah. So he's been listening and he's been training since he's been listening and he's now a purple belt. So yes. he's got. Could be that. He's like five years deep maybe. Yeah. Four or five years deep. Yeah. Yeah. Check. All right. And really appreciate what you and the team have done for the world. What I've learned from, from and been exposed to through your podcast has made a real difference in both my professional and personal life, and I'm genuinely grateful. My wife and I are expecting our first child next month, and I'm wondering if either you, either of you have any suggestions or opinions on what I can do to be a good first-time dad. <laughs> okay, kind of touched on some of the things to yeah, look out for. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, literature out there that deals with in the abstract, but any practical advice would be appreciated. That being said, taking up BJJ right now might result in my wife serving divorce. <laughs> papers <laughs> divorce papers straight up i will stay in the game and try to train five days a week jack thank you for your time okay um out of the gate and by that i mean like when this child is born congratulations mm-hmm. in my opinion the best thing you can do is support your wife because when my babies were born, and my first my first daughter was born, I went on deployment the next day for six months. I totally, I was just gone, like gone. Mm. But with my other kids that I got to see and got to you know be around for a little bit more, the babies didn't really want much to do with me when they were little. And even when I got back from deployment, my oldest daughter was six months old. Like she still was just, Sort of like, why are you here? Uh, where's my mom? Mm. And so, what I try to do is just give my wife support by, you know, helping out with doing other things, including things like grocery shopping back in the day, Hell right? Yeah. <laughs> Since yeah. we're going there, that kind of stuff. Let her sleep when she can sleep. Mm. You know, it, whatever you got to do that you can help your wife get a thirty-minute nap or whatever. Do that. Um, little recommendation. This is like a straight up tactical dad recommendation. Strollers. Mm. If you put a kid in a stroller, there's a good chance they fall asleep. Like they like, like there's enough yeah. motion. It or we had one of these swing things, you know, yeah. that you're probably gonna go by now. Whatever, yeah, yeah. like the swing, and you put yeah. them in the swing, and it kind of makes them go to sleep. Man, I forget what age it's used for. I don't know what the age appropriate is. Or like the chest rig. You know, you can get the little chest rig for the kid. You put them on your chest. You walk around. That's you can do those things that will keep them distracted enough or sleepy enough that they're not hyped on being with mom because otherwise it's just like I want my mom mm-hmm. and I don't know who the hell you are but <laughs> give me my mom back car rides I hate to say it but mm-hmm. like I remember if we were driving and the baby was asleep 
I would just keep driving and just drop my wife off at home and just drive around in yeah. circles until as long as I could until the baby woke up and then yeah, then we'd go I'd go and you know do the turnover procedures because uh, there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. like my wife has milk I don't yeah, and that's yeah, just yeah. how so um, okay so there you go initial kind of immediate action drills are provide support to your wife hopefully you're not going on deployment the day after your child is born for a six month deployment. Hopefully that's not happening to you. Uh, And by the way, that was only because my executive officer, he said, you know, hey, when's your baby being born? And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, do this day, I'll be on deployment. He's like, no, you won't. Mm. And I said, "Uh, oh no, sir, I'd appreciate it, but I'll be on deployment. He's like, no, you won't be. And I was like, oh, no, 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 we leave this day. And he's like, you're not leaving until the baby's born. Mm -hmm. And this is just like a legit old school, awesome UDT guy. That just was like, hey, Jocko, you're staying home until the baby's born. I was like, yeah, Roger that. Yeah. So, baby was born, and I flew on deployment. Okay, so initially, we're trying to support the the wife as much as possible, and then now, being a good dad, as as the ch- children grow up, um, l- let them do whatever they can do. So if they can barely make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, let them do it. Even though it's messy, even though it takes 15 minutes, even though there's peanut butter on the floor, like let them do it. Let them, let them do stuff. Because the more you let them do stuff, the more effective they're gonna be, the more capable they're gonna be. And it starts at a young age. Like you let your kids, the example I always use, and people ask me this question, which they do all the time. If you tie your kid's shoe, you're, First of all, they're become they're relying on you mentally yeah. and physically, and you're taking away their ability to to improve their fine motor skills because that's what that is. Mm-hmm. So little things like that, as soon as they can do them, let them do them and use all those things as a little training opportunity to get them better. And so that's good. I already said make things fun. You know, get them doing jujitsu, but make it fun. Get them doing wrestling, but make it fun. Get them. Get them working out, but make it fun. Get them to build little businesses as they grow up, but make it fun. You know, get them to do the lemonade stand and all that cool stuff that you learn and you try. Just get them to do as much stuff as you can, as they can, and get out of their way. You know, this. Uh, I didn't have curfews with my. I just had. I just got. Just got at this at the FTX, and I was talking about the fact that my kids didn't have curfews. Hmm. Because the guy asked, I went. I talked about this being a silent leader, which the best form of leadership, you don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking about being a silent leader, and this guy says, hey, how do I be a silent leader in my family? And I said, well, here's an example. My kids didn't have curfews. Mm-hmm. And they would go out, and I wasn't there to tell them, don't drink. I wasn't there to tell them, don't do drugs. I wasn't there to tell them, you know, don't get in a car with a drunk driver. And you're not going to be. Mm-hmm. But they had the, they had learned and understood the, 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 they had their own values and decision-making process that was mature enough that I could say, hey, yeah, you know, have a good time. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't have to worry. Like, I would, you know these stories, like, I, was, I would worry, I would stay up at night worrying about where my kids were. I basically almost never worried about where my kids were yeah. because I knew that they would go out there, make good decisions, they weren't gonna do anything stupid, and therefore, you're letting them grow. 
Now I might talk about the consequences and there was, you know, a couple times here and there where maybe there's a little outside the box activities that needed to get tightened up, but they certainly did. <laughs> yeah, makes uh, sense. But that's not the goal. The goal is to give them as much freedom as they can, let them brush up against the guardrails of failure, mm. right? Not fall off the cliff, but boom, oh, got a little dinged up on that one. Cool, you learn from it. Mm. And the last thing, oh, two more things. Number one, they're gonna be who they are and not who you want them to be. And the more you try and impose who you want them to be onto them, the, the harder they're gonna push back. And you end up with a kid that's not aligned with you at all. And that's, that's, you know, that's a bummer because you truly do, this is the hard thing, you, have, you absolutely want nothing but the best for your kids. Yeah. And it, you, you see like, don't do this, this is a mistake, like don't, Go out with that guy. Don't hang around with that. Don't, you know, what, whatever. Don't, you, you know what is gonna be a bad decision for them and it, it's like so hard when they're doing some, the opposite. Mm -hmm. and, and look, I mean, at certain points you do gotta intervene. You know, if you got a kid that's, you know, really just going down the wrong path. <sighs> I mean, that's scary. Um, you know, I've talked about this. I had a friend that had a, a like basically unlimited money. Mm. And it, I just met him and he asked me to go and talk to his son who was addicted to drugs. And I just met the guy, super nice guy. And he said, look, I, I think I'd really like you to talk to my son. I think you could really help him. I said, yeah, well, you know, sure, no problem. And maybe three weeks later, he, he overdosed and died. And what that guy told me was he he had spent probably millions of dollars going, sending his son to rehab over the years. I think his son was, you know, 19, 20 years old. Um, he said the only thing he didn't do was tough love, meaning, hey, you're cut off. And, and, and not to say that that would have worked because that doesn't always work either. And can you, mm -hmm. I can't even, that's one thing I can't even fathom. Can you imagine when you have to cut your kid off and say, you're not getting any more money, you go and live in the streets? Like that's, it's hard to wrap your head around if anybody would be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I I feel like, so if you got your kid going down some kind of a horrible path like that, okay, you, you have to intervene. But as far as the, if, if your kid is on a normal path of life, mm -hmm. like they're gonna be a productive contributor to society, that's a real positive thing. Yeah. and support that instead of trying to say, well, this path would be a little bit better for that path would be, a yeah. if you do that, that's when they start, they may start to push away from you. So you need to be careful of that. And then the last thing, and this is advice that I gave to Leif and JP the other day, and they were both like so hyped on it. Um, and it's weird advice, I think, maybe coming from me, but as often as you kid can, pull your kids out of school and go do cool stuff. Mm. And I, I did that the most with my son because my son surfed and I surfed and so I would pull him out of school to go surf. And those are, I remember zero days of my life when my kids were in school and I was doing something else, I remember. But every time we'd pull him out of school to go and do something cool, again, this is mostly my son, like I remember it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I literally remember walking 
to the office and saying, um, I need to come get my son. He's got a doctor's appointment. And it's seen the look on my son's face. He knows I'm taking him <laughs> surfing, right? <laughs> and then going go and surfing. Thing. And there's no kids out yet because it's school's still in session. So we got waves to ourselves. Like mm-hmm. that stuff told great memories. I don't remember one single day ever where he was in school and I was at work or my, you know, any of my kids were at school learning whatever to be a robot and and I don't remember that. So as often as you can, take your kids out of school and do cool stuff with them because that's um, an opportunity to get to know them and to give them life experiences that they're not getting in school. So check that out. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, did you have a curfew growing up? Like, you know how you say that? Yeah, I think I did, but I also wasn't super uh, controllable. <laughs> I wasn't like super... I was a little bit, you know, I think my parents didn't have much control over me. Mm. And like I would go to New York City when I was a kid, you know, I would go to CBGB's when I was 13, 14 years old. Like there's mayhem going on down there. And that's what I was doing. So no, I guess I didn't have a curfew, but I also remember the sort of, I remember the sort of, uh, like the there, there was a transitional period where all of a sudden I was just kind of like, hey, I'm doing what I'm gonna do. Mm. And that's that. And my parents didn't have a ton of control over me at that point. Yeah. It was pretty young too. Yeah, and you have kind of this weird path in your past where you didn't do drugs and like that kind of stuff. 100%, and, yep. But so this is, it, this is almost like a weird question. Like you weren't like getting into trouble or Ooh, were you? Well, we were getting into trouble, but you know, we'd get, we'd get in a ton of fights. Um, it just, just like straight up mischief, vandalism, hucking bottles, you know, breaking shit, you know, just stupid shit that you do when you're young and stupid. Um, but mostly it was just like fighting. Yeah. So I think there was a, I think there was a, uh, I think my parents kind of knew that. Yeah. And we're just like, well, yeah, I guess we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. But the stuff. I'm trying to think my sisters I would say they had similar situation. I would say my parents were not very strict. Let's yeah. let's just say that. Let's just surmise with my parents were not very strict. And part of it was just I I mean, I just think they're they were both school teachers and it was just like a lot, you know, like you got kids all day <laughs> and you got kids at night and it's like yeah. I don't know if I want to freaking even enforce any rules. I got to enforce yeah. rules all day. Now I got these freaking kids. I got to enforce rules now. Like, mm. no, I don't like it. But like, yeah, you, it's it's weird. You have a weird one. It's a, it's not like so cut and dry. It's like mm. a, it's like a dichotomy in a way, where right. you know how like teenagers going out getting into trouble, right? Whether in real trouble, like mm. they get arrested yeah, yeah, yeah. for I don't know stealing stuff yeah. or the drugs thing is a big one. Like especially when most of the trouble we all get into, let's face it, when we're young is from while you're drinking mm. or doing some kind of drugs or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, which but, I didn't do any of. Exactly right. So you yeah. were essentially just being a teenage version of a rambunctious kid, essentially. Yes. And maybe you get in trouble from time yeah. to time yeah. if you get arrested or yeah. this kind of stuff. But I'm trying to think, like, if, if my son got arrested for getting into a fight that was just sort of a fight mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, you're not right. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, like, hey, you got arrested. That's lame, you know, to get arrested as a yeah. kid. But it's not like you went and robbed a house or, you know, joined a gang or something. Some something that's, like, not kind of outside of the realm of normal behavior mm-hmm. or that much outside. Um, so 
yeah, as a parent, you'd be like, I could understand that. We'd be like, all right, he's a rambunctious kid. He's hard mm-hmm. to control, but yeah. it could be a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of, all right. Yeah. What's weird is, I mean, I've got most of those values and that path from like listening to hardcore music, you know? Listening yeah. to hardcore music, listening to straight edge music, my friends that were into that. Yeah. Like, that's where it came from. And luckily, yeah. I didn't get into, you know, hippie music or whatever drunk music that could, which is just kind of normal music right sure. that's just normal music any music yeah. basically in america that you listen to is yeah. is hyping up drugs alcohol right oh. that's what that's what it does yeah a lot of it i should say well it kind of hypes up most things you know depends on what music you're listening to yeah. like what let's say okay well we got country that's usually like heartbreak and but we're beer. also drinking beer right yeah exactly right and then what like some of the hip-hop is gratuitous let's say sexual relationships yeah. and alcohol alcohol and drugs drugs marijuana some. come on bro oh yeah yeah marijuana from time to time for sure but mainly alcohol club gratuitous yeah. relationships hippies drugs Drug music. Drugs, yes. Uh, heavy metal, drugs and alcohol, right? And girls, yeah. And girls. Uh, so, yeah, I think all categories are, except for one category, the category that I happen to be into. Yeah. Got lucky. So what are they hyping? Discipline. Discipline. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fighting, violence. There was some violence for sure. You know, I was around a lot of violence. Yeah. A lot of fights. But see, even then, it's like, it, this is what it feels like. I don't know. I didn't grow up with you. I grew up someplace else. Mm-hmm. But even even now or whatever, like your violent kind of, what do you say, quality mm-hmm. or whatever isn't directed at anyone specifically. Like you don't yeah, have, yeah. you're not angry at a certain person or a certain type of person or, or a certain thing. You know, it's yeah. more just, it's almost like your own tool yeah. or something. I'm more mellow, a lot more mellow now though. Yeah, but even back there, okay, so that's actually kind of what I wonder sometimes where, you know, when you're out there hucking bottles or whatever, getting into fights, it's, is it because you didn't like the other person or just because getting into fights was kind of, that's kind of what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, people would, you know, look at you wrong and then boom. Yeah, but that's just a symptom. A lot of them were just within the scene. What we call the scene, like yeah. the hardcore scene, yeah. and like, oh, there's metalheads here. We're gonna fight right, them right. or whatever. Yeah. And but we're also friends with a bunch of metalheads, so right. it's all it's just it part of we the were just kind of we were just kind of yeah. fighting. And, and you know what? And I've said this before. A lot of this was like, hey, how do you prove yourself to your friends and to yourself yeah. while we're fighting? So that's how we're proving ourselves. And it, look, it happened when I got to the SEAL teams. It's like, oh, how are we proving ourselves? Fighting, drinking. That's how you're proving yourself. Hey, I could drink this much and still yeah. get up and work. So that's why I really, when I got into jujitsu, the more I got into jujitsu, the more I was like, I don't have anything to prove. I don't have to fight anybody. I don't have to. Well, later on, I figured out, oh, you don't have to drink like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but that thing where you go through of trying to prove how tough you are, that's a big thing when you're a kid. And so that's yeah. probably what drove a lot of the stupid things that I did. Yeah. But at the same time, it just does, it seems like it was almost, and this is gonna sound crazy, but it, it was almost constructive. Like that's almost like a constructive process where that's a way different thing. Getting into fights against the metalheads or this and that um, <clears throat> is way different than the kid who By the just- way, props to my metalheads. I'm a metalhead, so <laughs> yeah. let's not single them out too much. Yes, sir. These are my people. Yes, sir, I understand. But that's different than the kid at school who just like keeps getting into fights, like may have anger issues yeah. or like maybe they're, 
I don't know. They're 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 mad at a certain person. Like you know, in our school, I don't know. You're mad at somebody for whatever, and then you get in a fight with them. It, it's like different. It's different. Yeah. It's yeah. like if you yeah. if you as an individual for some reason kept getting into fights at school, yeah. you're the I, only I one. I mean, let's just face it. We're going to a show, a hardcore show. There's a mosh pit. Yeah. You're in the mosh pit. Yeah. People are slamming into each other, throwing. You're going to get into some fights. Yeah. And that's kind of like just part of the whole thing. Right. So, yeah. so that's more, you're saying that's more, and I agree, that's more understandable and even appropriate than hey i got into my ninth fight in school because i have a bad temper and whatever some some for real issue you know like getting into mosh pits and fights and that whole scene i don't see any issues there i just see it's like okay rambucks hey let's try to be careful (laughs) you know let's not let's try not to get like like pushed outside of the box of that you know because it it can be a slippery slope yeah there's a slippery slope there because the fights turn into knives turns into guns yeah and then you catch a murder charge or something like this or whatever i kind of I kind of got out. I kind of joined the Navy right as the knives to guns transition was happening. And yeah. and that's sort of where I left and yeah. left it off. So, so and, and that's actually makes sense because, yeah, when you start doing the knife knives and guns thing and mm-hmm. you kill a person now, like you made other yeah. people really mad and now it becomes a whole different well, yeah. thing. And you've ruined you know? your life and someone else's lives yeah. and a bunch of lives all in one yeah. shot. It's way different than like, you know, you know, most of us anyway, as boys, young kids, if you grew up in a neighborhood or whatever, you go, you get into fights with people mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you guys hate each other. I pulled just, a hatchet on me one time. Like we were about to be in a fight, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like squared off with this guy, and the, yeah. and the fight hasn't started yet, and this guy, this guy pulls a hatchet out of his jacket, yeah. and uh, you know what I did? I like, I like got into a fight stance. Like you're like ready, ready for the hatchet. Yeah, yeah. And and I think he was like, what? You know, this seems crazy. This guy, yeah. I just pulled out a hatchet. Yeah. I should be the the person should be running away, and I just stood there because I was ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So. Was, do you think it was a bluff, or he genuinely got like surprised and that jammed his whole plan? It up? Definitely jammed his whole. I don't know if it was a bluff or not. He didn't. I forget. I think it. I think like we talked out of it or something. You yeah. got or somebody hit him in the back of the head with a bottle. It's <laughs> part of it too, I guess. <laughs> that well, was I do remember that fight. We we it was a big fight and I'll forget I'll have to think how that played out. I think literally someone did like sucker punch him from a yeah. different angle. And all because you know, you pull out a, a I mean a hatchet and so I like squared off in like mm. a boxing stance and mm. then somebody just sucker punched him and then all hell broke loose and uh I remember, yeah. So, well, see, so that because that that's two different things: the bluff and then the like. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, let's face it: if he wasn't bluffing, he would have just waited and just freaking like tactfully or tactically pulled it out when I couldn't see him, and then just hit you know right. hit me in the head. So it kind of was a bluff. Yeah, it was part of the show. Yeah, it's part There's of the show. The show. He was hoping I would back down. Yeah, because that let's face it: when you escalate like that, right? You pull out a weapon. Of whatever that's like a there's two elements to that one to have a weapon and then two to use it those yep. are two very different things you they know are. so it's like right you gotta you gotta take it to a next level that that kind of is bold let me be thankful i'm thankful he was bluffing or i'm thankful that he didn't want to use it and he was just hoping i would back down because otherwise he would have just like started a fight with me and then Chop. next thing you know i just get an axe to the head <laughs> just chopped you up dang bro uh hopefully it doesn't go that way for you my friend with a new kid Enjoy it. Life is get good. There's nothing better you're going to have in life than your kids. So enjoy it, man. Um, and thanks to everyone for joining us on the UG.
also known as the underground. Appreciate the support with everything, and we'll be here. Keep sending questions. And, uh, well, you know the deal. Keep getting after it. (laughs) This is Echo and Jocko.